0: Going crazy? We're not going bananas. We're going ape. Shh. Welcome to another episode of Going Ape. I'm your host, Everett Barilla, the Gorilla, and this will be the last episode, oh, definitely before Christmas. I'm hoping to get another one in there before the new year, but if not, last one for the new year. So, <laughs> I got to catch up with my buddy Ty Bing, caught up, uh, we were hanging out quite a bit there in Calgary during the CCMAs that whole weekend, I think, uh, every day but the Sunday, I think I saw him there. His other Wednesday, I saw him perform, kept running into each other, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think Sunday's the day I didn't see a lot of People I usually saw But yeah We're supposed to do An interview during Media Row Unfortunately Brett Kissel's Uh talkativeness to everybody around him caused us to have to reschedule it and as we discussed like time just flew right by I'm like oh crap I've not reached out to Ty and that was in early September and we're like mid December holy shit am I in trouble but yeah so I got to catch up with him we had great conversation about his music including his new single Goodbye Lonely which I absolutely love because that song to me it's just rings true as somebody who's moved around a lot from place to place and at times I can make friends easy at other times I don't so so, you know, you start to wonder, do I really actually like this person or is it just the fact that I'm lonely and I'm looking for something? You're never really sure, right? So, you know, when you do find out, it's a little bit too late. But yeah, no. know. So, about to catch up with Ty. Great times. Great times. Good conversation. You're about to hear it with the one and only Ty Baton. <laughs> all right. Talk with Ty Baton. How's everything going, Ty? Things
1: are good on my end, buddy. How about you?
0: Oh, things are all right. It's almost Christmas time, so... <laughs>
1: and i don't know where the time went it feels like yesterday you and i were in uh, calgary together for the ccmas well
0: that's the thing i was just sitting here going like yeah we probably should have done this a lot sooner but i'm thinking like oh wait it was that it was it's been that long since then holy shit <laughs> yeah,
1: time flies buddy. time flies
0: yeah i thought last week flew by fast i'm just like oh crap it's friday already yeah. holy geez all right weekend and then it's yeah my like, "Oh crap all right i'm already almost at wednesday let's go yep <laughs> Oh, so, how, so how did you get your start doing uh, country music? Cause I don't think we ever talked about this before.
1: <laughs> no, actually, I don't think we have. Um, you know, I picked up a guitar when I was pretty young and started playing. And I was kind of drawn to country music because of the, um, it a was, it was more acoustic. And I enjoyed playing the acoustic guitar a lot. But I was also very fond of the songs that actually told a story. That it wasn't oh, yeah. just, you know, a whole bunch of words thrown together that somewhat <laughs> rhyme it it actually told the story. So I found myself being drawn more <clears throat> to the, the, the country genre because of that. And also, you know, I grew up on, um, you know, surrounded by farmland and all that stuff. But, you know, I, I all the country songs are kind of singing about stuff that I grew up doing. <laughs> um, but anytime I, I remember I would have been in high school or something. I was playing, I don't know what song I, it, I think it was a Goo, Goo Dolls song that I was playing oh, a cover <laughs> of. And I finished it. A buddy of mine was like, Oh, that was a really cool country cover you did. And, <laughs> I was kind of confused by it but then you know obviously you you listen to me talk you listen to me sing. i I can't really get away from the fact that my voice sounds country and just lends itself to that genre anyway which for me is a good thing um but kind of got into it just because that was the music that spoke to me the most and and i I found i always tell people i've never sat down with the intention of writing a country song (laughs) i just write songs about my life and and my experiences but they end up being country um (laughs) so it kind of just happened to be the the best fit for for me and my music and what i want to do and you know i i couldn't be happier
0: about that it's also one of those things where it also kind of drives me nuts just hearing how generic sometimes the country songs are because like i'll listen to and it's not to badmouth the rec laws in any way but i'll listen to a song like theirs and they talk about they're describing like an american like a stereotypical american friday night it's like i would never known sonic to have a franchise in canada let alone in like brantford or I mean, bradford funny, or whereabouts they're from so it's like wow okay
1: <laughs> uh Jen and Stu actually grew up um out near cambridge which is maybe 20 30 minutes away from me we actually played uh, a lot of the same bars growing up and same fairs and festivals and all that i i know them and their family quite well
0: okay I've only met them just sort of in passing at one point, but.
1: But I think part of that is, is if, um, if you're down in Nashville all the time and you're co-writing with, with American writers or, um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if, if which of their songs they write or don't write or if they write all of them. But if if you're picking through songs, you find a really cool song, but it was written by someone (laughs) down in the States, you know, sometimes the, the lyrics are how they are, um, you know, I always tell people I I have no problem recording a song I haven't written. If I listen to it, I'm like, damn, I wish I wrote that. And <laughs> to this day, the only song I've ever recorded and put on a record that I didn't write myself um, is one that Adam Gregory did back in the day. And it's The World Could Use a Cowboy. <laughs> but of course, anybody who knows me and and my background and all that go, yeah, okay, that song makes a lot of sense for you to play. <laughs> was and, but was cool. I was getting ready to jump in the studio to do the... Um, the Wrong Turns album, and um, kind of had in the back of my mind, we had we had room for one more song on the album, and <clears throat> there there wasn't a whole lot of stuff that I had written that I was like, yeah, you know, I feel like putting this one on this record or whatnot. That song kept getting stuck in my head, and you know, <laughs> I was playing it live show and that, and I literally just gave Adam a call because he's he's a buddy of mine, and I said, hey man, what would you think about this? And he goes, well, let me give my um, producer a call because I guess um, Dave Martin is the guy who wrote it, and messaged back. He goes, nah man, go for it. Like we'd love for you to. <laughs> to cover that so that that was kind of cool going in and, and cutting something out and right for the first time
0: i was gonna say because you were saying like you don't write songs to be country songs my first thought within my head is like what about like what about world like world could use a cowboy like that's pretty on the nose country
1: <laughs> yeah but i mean the other thing is for me i like it's all about my life and my experiences uh, you know i was am a rodeo cowboy i ride yeah. saddle bronc and and I'm around that stuff all the time. I don't get to ride near as much as I as I used to and as as much as I'd like to, but <laughs> <clears throat> that's because I'm I'm lucky that the, the music side is busy enough, but but for me it's like, yeah, that's pretty on the nose country, but that, that's also just my life.
0: So I mean, did the rodeo come before the country music, with the country music? How did that all sort of come together you for you? it?
1: Kind went of hand in hand. I you know, I kind of grew up around rodeo and that kind of stuff and and I ended up through music. Uh, I ended up performing at a lot of the road and my mentality, it's, well, I'm here anyways. I might as well do something stupid. (laughs) I, I, um, I had a bunch of buddies who rode and chatted with them and they're all like, Hey man, if you want to ride, like you can borrow this guy's saddle. He's about your size. I got a pair of chaps you can use. You can use this guy's vest. (laughs) And between two or three guys. They kind of pulled gear together for me to borrow and ride. And, you know, I'd show up, uh, bright and early. I drop off all my music gear. And I'd, uh, I'd head back to the chutes and figure out which horse I drew and I'd ride. And then I'd get off uh, or get out of the arena and I'd dust myself off, change my clothes if I needed to. <laughs> and I'd hop on stage and I'd, <clears throat> I'd play for the evening. Worked out really well that the one year uh, the Ram Rodeo had some extra funding and called me up and said, hey, we've got X amount of dollars. You know, how many of our rodeos can you come and do? And with the figure they had, I said, I, I can do all of them for it. <laughs> so I literally wound up, I think it was like, 18 rodeos that year that I was performing at. And oh, I rode wow. at every single one of them, sometimes twice.
0: <laughs> you do the performing so, before say, the riding, right? So that way you don't no. get injured with the, oh, okay.
1: <laughs> no, no, I, I I'd ride and then I'd be playing like the after party or, or whatever. <clears throat> so there, there was a couple rodeos where I'd ride I'd literally get thrown off the bronc or like make it to the pickup man, whatever. And I'd be hopping the fence at the end of the arena while taking my vest and stuff off <laughs> as my sound tech is handing me my guitar to walk on stage. <laughs> but there's just no time to all my band members. Everybody's like, you're absolutely nuts, man. Like, why don't you? It's like, oh man, I'm here. I like, I want to, I want to ride. Like, <laughs> so, you know, oh. I, I might've been hit in the head a couple of times as a kid and you know, a couple screws loose, but anybody who rodeos or has kind of been around that gets it. Like once, once you've done it once or twice, like you, you can't really get it out of your system.
0: And now I'm just thinking of that song, uh, Bobby wills crazy enough. I ain't all the way crazy, but I'm crazy enough to do it.
1: Yeah. That's, that's, well, yeah, that, that's a pretty good description of me.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, I've learned that over the last few years now, but,
1: uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, bud.
0: <laughs> oh, you drank that much. You don't remember. <laughs>
1: Oh no! I'm always the last one standing at the end of the night. I that.
0: <laughs> so your recent song you got out is uh, "Goodbye Lonely." How did that one come about? Because that one, I resonate with that song quite a bit. So,
1: yeah, man, my a good friend of mine, uh, Alexis Taylor. Um, we were down in Nashville together a couple of years back, I guess, and just pulled the guitars out and started playing around. And she had a really cool melody, which ended up being the verse melody, <clears throat> and started playing around with the idea that you know when you have been in enough relationships that. You know, you, you get partway through and then realize, yeah, no, this isn't what I'm looking for or anything. And um, you get to a point where, when you, when you start new relationships, you're you usually have that um, initial, oh my god, this is amazing! Like this this person's incredible! Like I, you know, I'm in love with her, or whatever. But you get to the point where you're like, is this love or or is it just that, you know, I'm lonely and now I have somebody that I can spend time with and all that stuff. And that's often something you don't really figure out until you're, you know, a couple of weeks or a few months into the relationship. But you're, you're kind of hesitant because you've been in that situation before and you're like, I don't really want to go through all that crap again. <laughs> and that's kind of what the song's talking about. And, and the, the twist at the end is, you know, you realize this is what you're looking for and all that stuff. But that, that's kind of how the song came together. And I think we, we wrote it over a couple months because we, we got together and we wrote the majority of it. And then it kind of just sat there because, you know, touring season hit and we were both on the road and doing whatever. And then things slowed down a little bit when we were able to jump on uh, uh, Zoom and write the rest of it. And it all came together pretty well. And it was almost going to be on the wrong turns album, but there were a couple other songs that I felt fit that record a little bit more. Oh, okay. Kind of knew when I was jumping into uh, the studio this time around that I definitely wanted to include it on the album. And, and I'm, I couldn't be happier with the way it turned out.
0: I mean, the way I've moved around quite a bit and, you know, takes a little while to get situated and get to know people that when you do meet people, it's like, huh, you know, I really like this person, but as it, and you do start thinking about it going, do I actually really like this person or is it just, I just need somebody or something in my life at this point that yeah. I'm willing to get yeah. shut down by a girl, a French speaking girl as the door elevator door shuts in my face.
1: <laughs> yep. It's kind of like the, a love song, but it starts off as, is it a love song? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those things. And yeah. it, it was a cool concept. And I I was a big fan of the twist that we managed to put at the end of it, but I'm, I'm sure it's one of those situations. Tons of people have been, in whether they they realize that they've been in that situation or not
0: yeah unfortunately you don't realize till it's too late but
1: (laughs) in a lot of situations yeah you you don't
0: (laughs) (laughs) so is this the beginning of a new album then for you
1: yeah, absolutely, man. We we've actually got the rest of the tracks for this record. Are um we're, we're just doing the final tweaks to them before we send the, those ones off to get mastered. We'll start releasing the rest of those tracks um early in the new year. So by the time I get back out west uh, to your neck of the woods, <laughs> there there could be uh one or two more songs that have been released by then. One of them is something that uh, is super cool for me, um, but I can't exactly talk about it just yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which is really strange to think that like the first time I saw you play, I always bring this up whenever I talk to you just because it's like that long ago. And I actually had to go back and try to figure out the year. I think it was 2014 when Holy Nashville Christ. North in Georgetown, you and uh, Vanessa Marie Carter were opening up for Kira Isabella.
1: Yeah, I remember that now. That's That's <laughs> the only time I played at that venue, too. <laughs> And, um and yeah that would have been like 2014 2015 something like that
0: yeah i thought it may have been earlier but i'm like no it can't be that early could it <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah man geez I, as soon as you're like the first time i saw you play i'm like crap where did he see me play the first time <laughs> yeah that's going back always, man that was oh, yeah. that was uh that was a while ago vanessa's down in national now
0: yeah, I hear her name popping up a little bit more and more now, but uh, it's just one of those weird things where I'm like, wow, geez, that was that long ago. And then I had met Dave Woods, coincidentally, I think it was outside of Roy Thompson Music Hall or something because Kira was playing an outdoor show there. So I thought, okay free show or whatever might as well go check it out i'm a fan of kira's then i end up meeting dave woods i'm like okay i should really check out some of the stuff he does and then i'm like okay to get from brampton to oakville uh and that's like, okay is there somebody on this thing that i that i know or i've heard of at least it's like oh this guy looks familiar that name sounds familiar google it oh yeah that oh yeah that's ty yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah oh it's just
0: ty whatever <laughs> well, this, this <laughs> name looks really familiar looks familiar oh yeah that's him yeah yeah, the, yeah and then i ran into you and talked to you there and then it wasn't until i guess after that it was london about a little over a year ago now
1: yeah when when it was uh half COVID, half not
0: CC CCMA's. <laughs> yeah it was that weird one i was just i just came up and said hi to you and we were talking it's just like hey what do you have to do i got some free time you free time oh you want to want to do an interview right quick okay sure i'll interview you right quick all right no problem <laughs> And that ended up That's being easy. a that ended up being a big blessing, especially this time around uh, in Calgary, because it's one of those things where in London and even the first time I ever went to a CCMA event with media creds was in Calgary three years ago, and it was like I have no idea where I'm going, what I'm doing, I don't know anybody here. Welcome to my life, and then.
1: Well, <laughs>
0: yeah and it's like and then even like so when i was in london at one point i just kept running into amy nelson and i was like, okay and then like this time around she's apologizing oh like i felt like a last shot i'm like no i was doing the exact same thing because i don't know anybody or anything really going on we just keep ending up in the same spots and so this time around it has worked out that i kept i'm trying to think if there was a day i didn't run into you maybe this sunday but
1: i'm also relatively easy to spot in a crowd yeah i mean i mean you <laughs> head taller than everybody.
0: But I mean, like you, Jason and Katie hurt were the ones that I ran into, I think pretty much every single day, except for maybe the Sunday, because there wasn't much going on, but mm-hmm. one of those weird things. And it just ended up making CCMA a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot better. So
1: well, it's one of those things. The more you go to those events, the more you run into people, you know, it gets to the point you go back year after year and you, you kind of know everybody.
0: <laughs> well, there's some people like they'll say hi. And then that's the extent of it, right? Like to be able to hang out with you and sharp and, uh, Katie and Jason and that whole crew was just made life so much easier in Calgary this time around I think <laughs>
1: oh yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to being back in um, Ontario next year it makes my drive a little shorter
0: yeah it makes my airplanes a lot more expensive
1: <laughs> uh, sounds like a you problem
0: <laughs> yeah. sounds like a future me's problem yeah that lovely advice I got from you and Sharp in London <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> That's a tomorrow
0: problem. Yeah, really? except for the future present me was not too happy with a massively insane hangover on no sleep on like a 14, 15 hour commute back to Whistler.
1: <laughs> I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> I wasn't hung on.
0: Oh, there were a few too many beers and shots drank that night, but that's the fun <laughs> of MDM. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: So is there a target release date then for the album? Or
1: um, I think just with um, how the digital service providers like Spotify, Apple, mm-hmm. Amazon, how all of their stuff works and how radio works, um, rather than releasing it all at once, we're yeah. going to be doing another song every other month type thing. Oh, okay. And once all of them are out, then they'll be amalgamated onto novels. So the whole project should be out um, in the summer at some point.
0: Oh, okay. Just in time yeah. for you to play them all at the rodeos and the festivals and see any, I'm sure, again.
1: Absolutely. And we're, we're already, uh, we're already back in the studio playing around with stuff for the, the one that's coming out after the one that hasn't even come out yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something that's kind of popped up. I saw recently, I don't know why, but there were a lot of artists sharing stuff about, I guess, cause the wrapped Spotify wrapped stuff came out yep. and they were sharing, I guess, about how little they actually, or Spotify actually you see from your songs playing on there but weird. one of those weird things where to me, it's like, if it's that bad, why are you putting your music on there? Like, is that something that you've considered? It's like, it's almost not worth putting it on the platform. Cause I don't see anything from it.
1: I mean, I know I don't necessarily speak for other artists, but for me, I don't really look at Spotify and, and all that stuff as where I make my money. Yeah. I look at that as a, as a platform for people to access my music eat more easy. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm a bit of an, an, an anomaly in this sense, but I do 150 to 200 shows a year. Dang. I'm always on the road. I'm always touring. I'm always playing somewhere. And the way I look at it is if you go on Spotify and you listen to my music a couple times, like, yeah, that might be a couple cents for me at the end of the day from Matt. Yeah. But if you go, Hey, this guy's pretty good. He's, he's going to be, you know, an hour away from me. I'm actually going to go out and buy a ticket for that show. To me, that's worth it. I would rather you come out and watch me play live and come up and say hi after and, and all that stuff because now I've, I've made another fan. Yeah. The hope is, you know, that each year or every other year, if I'm back in their neck of the woods and stuff, you know, they're going to take the time to come out and watch a show or bring a couple of friends. And that's where I look at my income is playing live. I, I don't bank on, you know, I did this stuff in the studio and I put it out there and now I'm just going to hang out at home with my feet up and let the royalty checks roll. And it's like, no man, like I want to be on stage. I want to be playing and I want to, I want to earn my living. You know, there's a lot of artists you, you hear them pull their, their music on Spotify or whatever. And you go see them play live and and they, they don't sound anything like the record. Yeah you realize it's like holy crap they tune the the shit out of these vocals and they can't actually sing and all that and you know to me it's like if you come out to one of my shows i want the live show to sound like the recording i want you to come out and be more impressed by what you saw live than what you heard on the internet to me at the end of the day i I still think people have an appreciation for people who can actually walk out on stage with with a guitar in their hands and, and put a show on and and actually play and sing and you know that's that's what i'm banking my livelihood on Is that you'll come out to the show and you'll like what you hear. (laughs) Well,
0: that's one of the things I like about country music, other than more traditional pop and that kind of stuff is, even if there are the fine little tweaks added to voices or for effect, most people, I don't think I've really heard somebody live that I haven't gone, holy shit, like they can't sing, what the hell, they've been lying to me this entire time. There are times I I see the difference between acoustic and when they got a full band behind them. Like I'd never seen Tennille towns play a full band. I've seen her play with an acoustic guitar. It brings tears to my eyes. So I'm kind of thankful she had a full band behind her. That that
1: is the mark of a true musician. and a performer. If you can walk out on stage with nothing other than your guitar and a microphone, no band, no nothing. And you can play and you can invoke emotion in the people listening or you can keep their attention for the length of that song, you you've got it. If you need the full band and the lights and backing tracks and all that to make your music uh, come off the way it should come off. I I think something's missing in in the writing process. Yeah. That's just me personally. I I know that there's a lot of people out there who, you know, the entire genre is all backing tracks and all that. But (laughs) to me in in country music and all that, you should be able to take a song completely strip it down. Acoustic sing it by yourself and it should still have the same amount of effect as a full band.
0: That's what I kind of like of those CCMA singer songwriter things or any of those ones is oh, absolutely. you really get to see that kind of stuff. And then uh, I didn't realize Jade Eagleson wrote as much stuff as he does. I just found out like yesterday that he was, he was a co-writer on knockoff for Jess Moskaluke. but like seeing yeah. him do that and play like whiskey thinks I am, I'm sitting there going like this is na- I gotta, I gotta remember what that song title is. Cause that is now my favorite song.
1: yeah oh jade's a great songwriter him and i did um it it was uh one of the last shows i did with my band before the pandemic hit jade and i were playing the port perry fair together and it was funny because my drummer at the time this is when jade was starting out he needed a drummer so he actually pulled my drummer so we both (laughs) had the same drummer at this show i I think he went put a hat on for one set took it off for the other jade (laughs) and i were joking it's like well He's technically only playing the Port Perry fair. So does this mean that we each get to pay him half what we normally would?
0: Whoa. I almost wonder that. Cause I've seen it. Like sometimes I know like Jade would always use the same band, for instance, that the Reclaws had primarily, or at certain events, he would use the same band. Not so much these days. He's doing off doing a lot of his own stuff, but well, one I mean, of those it'll, things it'll, where I, mean, I just recognize the drummer I've, met and known Jeremy for a number of years. I haven't seen him in a number of years now. Well, but, oh yeah.
1: Well, When you're on the road, you know, you've got certain expenses and everything. Right. Yeah. And if, now, I mean the, the rec laws and Jade are with the same management company, Yeah. but like when we're not, there's a lot of times I'll be going to play a show or whatever. And I'll call up friends of mine who are also on the bill. Who are you using for musicians? Because if, you know, I'm, I'm at a point that I've played with everybody at this point, but if we can kind of share a band for logistic reasons,
0: yeah,
1: it, you know, it ends up saving us a little bit of money because, you know, say for for instance, we're all paying our band members three hundred dollars a show. We can probably sit down, you know, the two artists, we can sit down and chat with the band and say, hey, will you play for each of us? And we'll each pay you two fifty. Now you're making five hundred dollars for the day instead of just three. And a lot of times we're like, yeah, like we're there anyway. We don't <laughs> need the travel expenses. <clears throat> so it, it ends up working out better, especially when you're doing a tour where you're kind of going coast to coast and across multiple provinces, you can only fit so many people on a bus or in a car <laughs> or whatever. So if, if you can share band members and use the same band members, it, it makes things easier.
0: Yes. Yeah, so I remember it was the 2018 CCMAs. I was down in Hamilton just as a fan doing whatever. I remember that's what actually made the MDM part of like the fan fest run so smooth was it was the same exact right. backing band. Then when it got yep. to where it was like a conglomerate of stuff, it was okay. There were so many it was one song, okay, so tear this down, read up the next one. It was yep. just so inconsistent that it was like, what the heck?
1: Well, it just makes things go a lot smoother when, from, from a sound guy perspective, if all you have to do is change the levels of a guitar and a vocal that's swapped out, <laughs> leave the rest of the band, it's so much easier to make that a smooth transition and go quickly and efficiently than... You're tearing down and setting up five guys every three songs.
0: Oh, it was bad. It was just a song, and then they couldn't get something working. I remember I was talking to uh, Mikey from KX because I was surprised they weren't doing that kind of stuff because they're kind of the Hamilton Country Station. Yep. Yeah, iHeart Media's mm-hmm. nearest one was London, and then his response was, "Well, as long as this shit's happening with an iHeart Radio banner and not a KX one, I don't really care." <laughs> Funny enough, nice. that's the first night I met Mikey was uh, that show there that I first saw you at. So
1: yeah, I think uh, I think Mikey was a little hungover the next day.
0: Oh, I think he's hungover most next days after I after I see him most days. So
1: <laughs> he's usually pretty good, but it, if him and I uh, wind up in the same place at the same time, uh, I'm usually a wonderful influence on him.
0: Oh yeah, I've bought him a few drinks. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what exactly is uh, success to you then? Cause for some people it would be to have like that number one song on radio. That's my bridge mark of success would be to have that big, massive hit. It would be this, it would be that. I'm not saying you don't want that necessarily, but you don't strike me as the one who's And from conversations we've had outside of this. It doesn't strike, you don't strike me as the guy that you believe you can still have a successful career despite never having that.
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, like, obviously we, we all want, you know, having a number one song or even a top 10 song would be fantastic. You know, like who, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. So to me, that's not the the mark of success. You know, I, I'm not here for fame or fortune or any of that <laughs> stuff. i'm I'm doing this because I love to do it, and you know I, I've been lucky enough that it's been it's been paying my bills, which isn't something a lot of people can say. And for me, the mark of success is if I have enough money at the end of the week to buy my friends around, I'm good. <laughs> my bills are covered and you know i can take my my friends or my brother or family or whatever out for for drinks or dinner or whatever i'm good that's all i need anything above that is 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 a bonus to me and you know obviously we're we're working our asses off every single day to push things to the next level and you know get to those bigger shows or or have a uh, more more radio success and stuff like that like we're we're constantly working towards that next step but you know, to to me, my, my mark of success is, is a lot lower than what uh, <laughs> what I think most people shoot for. And, and to me, I, I feel like I've been successful and I am successful doing this because, you know, I, I got a little bit of money in the bank and I still get to play my guitar and sing for a living.
0: But I mean, was that sort of the goal at first at all? Was to sort of be, a I guess, a Garth Brooks, a George Strait, or was it just, you know, Honestly, or was it just always this simple for you?
1: I The, the first EP album I ever did, which which was released back in 2011. 2011 or 2012, something like that. I put those tracks together just because friends and family were like, we, we want a recording of this. and on a whim, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to release this to radio just to say I put something to radio. (laughs) And it ended up getting picked up by a whole bunch of stations coast to coast and down through the States and stuff. And kind of gave me the opportunity to play some more shows and go back in the studio and and do a full album. And that led me to Boots and Hearts and a bunch of, and it's kind of just been one thing after the other. It was never, you know, I never set out to have a a music career, I guess. It kind of just, (laughs) It, it, honestly man it, it kind of just evolved into that that because of those first couple songs i put out it, it gave me the opportunity to perform a lot more and play bigger shows and all that and i kind of took advantage of that opportunity and it, it's kind of just snowballed since then and here we are <laughs> i'm still doing it um you know what would i like to get to the point where i'm as big as garth brooks and george Strait? sure that'd be pretty cool <laughs> but uh you know do I think I'm going to gonna end up being bigger than George Strait? I mean, they, they call him the king for a reason, Yeah, you know, he's in his own little world. But uh, if I, I think down the road, I'll be able to look back at, and be like, yeah, this was successful. If I'm in my sixties or seventies and I'm still sitting on a bar stool with a guitar in my hand, singing songs for people, you know, if 40 years from now I'm still playing music and you know, it's still a part of my life and, um, you know, every, every now and then I I find like anything, you have ups and downs, you know, where, where there's times you feel like you're on top of the world. And then there's times where you're like, why, why am I still doing this? Like, you know, why am I beating my head against the wall? But every now and then I'll have, I'll have somebody reach out to me and say, you know, this song got me through a really tough time or, you know, this, this album is what I turn to when, when, you know, I'm having a rough day or or all that stuff. And I I think as artists, we record the songs and we put them out there and, they mean the world to a lot of people, but it's few and far between. I find that somebody reaches out to remind you of that. And as soon as you read one of those messages again, and and you realize that the music has nothing to do with at all, because, you know, some people ask, Oh, what, what's this song about? Yeah. And I'll always be like, well, well, this is what it is about to me at this point in my life. But the cool thing with music is it can be interpreted a million different ways, depending on what people are going through. And I think that's the cool part of, of music to me is that one song could mean one thing to one person. It means something completely different to someone else. And as a artist and as a writer, I, I've come to the conclusion that the, the songs have nothing to do with me. It all has to do with how other people relate to that song and, and your music and all that. And when, when I hear stories like that, it just gives me more motivation to go out and keep doing what I'm doing and keep making more music and stuff because of the effect it has on other people out there. And it, it's always nice to hear things like that because it, as an artist, personally for me anyways, it gives me the, the drive and the passion to be like, yeah, no, I, I, I am going to keep doing this and, and keep pushing forward and writing and recording and all of that. So, I mean, to me, that that's, if your m-
0: music can move people.
1: That's that's a mark of success, whether you're sitting on a bar stool in the local bar, whether you're main stage at Boots and Hearts or the Big Valley Jamboree or whatever.
0: Is there a song that gets brought up to you more often than others uh, with those reasons or that kind of way? Wrong terms. Oh, OK.
1: Wrong turns. To, to me, as, as a songwriter, that's the best song I've ever written. And it was written and ready to go when I went in to record the Rough Around the Edges album. But with what we were doing with that record and all that, it just didn't fit that album. But I knew going in to do this album that I wanted to record it and make it the title track and all that. And the, the premise of the song is, you know, just because somebody makes a couple of wrong turns doesn't mean it's eventually going to lead them right. That, you know, I find in today's age, people look down on what other people do or how they go about doing certain things, because it's not the norm or not what they think they should be doing. But it doesn't mean that that's not what that person needs to go through to get to where they need to be. And I've had tons of people come up and you know tell me the, the hard times they went through and the struggles they went through to get to where they are now. And I, I've had people brought to tears listening to that song or even coming up and talking to me about that song. Um, and to me, it it is and probably always will be the best song I've ever written. And the coolest part for me is the music video for that song, the bartender in that music video, my dad. Wow. So for me to have... A song that means that much to me and be able to include him in the music video was just really really cool for me
0: so i know if i knew now tends to make me a little bit happier and makes me think okay yeah no this past stuff is it is what it is yeah if i knew this shit now i'd be it'd be a complete different story but
1: yeah (laughs) that that song is a lot of fun to play live i absolutely love live and I think as far as a song that goes over well in a live setting, that one would be up near the top. <clears throat> but as far as people coming up to me and yeah, saying how much a song meant to them or <clears throat> change their perspective or stuff, it would definitely be Wrong Turn.
0: Yes, I know when you were playing the set in Calgary, we are like, come on, play If I Knew Now, play If I Knew Now. Just come on, just play it, Ty. Why are you waiting until the very end, Ty? Damn it, just play it.
1: <laughs> just to keep you there, bud.
0: <laughs> well, I was there anyway, so it was like... <laughs>
1: nothing better
0: to do, so. Well, it was between that and going to another event, but it's like, okay, like, I interviewed, like, Katie the year before in London, I met Jason and interviewed him in London, versus going to see this one artist, I've seen her do this kind of stuff already, like, it was the Blue Jay session, I think we were talking about this before, about how so far out of the way that stuff was, like... yeah. Like I'm sitting there going like, okay, well, I'm going to come see Katie. I'm going to come see Jason. I can't very well leave before Ty performs to go to the other place. And do I want to spend the extra money? It's like, no, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to sit here and uh, listen to Ty play and listen well, to you. And call, talk buddy. to Devin Cooper uh, about a day or so before I was supposed to interview him. So that worked out really well.
1: <laughs> yep.
0: Tequila shots usually go over really well. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever drank with somebody before I interviewed him like that before, but.
1: Well, welcome to country music.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's usually drinking with them afterwards because now I've met them and that. It's not. I someone, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm interviewing that guy and just went up to him, started talking to him, and next thing you know, he's buying a round of tequila shots. So it's like, okay.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah, that sounds like DB. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh, man. Oh, so what do you got planned for the holidays?
1: Uh, Just a lot of family stuff. You know, uh, over the course of the year, I'm usually on the road on and off eight to 10 months out of the year. So once things kind of start winding down a little bit, you know, I'm usually lucky enough that I get to be home for for Thanksgiving and then home for the holidays and New Year's. And then um, mid to late January, I'm usually back on the road to head out west for uh, a couple months. I probably won't be back until mid-April. Um, when it's all said and done, cause I go out and I do <clears throat> the West coast leg of the radio tour and I do a few shows while I'm out there. I usually stick around for the CMAB awards. Um, and then shortly after that, I start making my way back home and kind of getting ready for touring season again. So just spending time with friends and family and enjoying uh, a little bit of downtime, even though it's not downtime. I think I've, <laughs> I've got, uh, 150 to 200, uh, videos to Shoot and edit and mix and stuff before oh, I, I leave go out, out west to kind of keep up with stuff because I have all of the equipment and the space and studio and stuff here to do those kind of videos but I don't when I'm out there so it's like I got to yeah. get like eight of them done ahead of time so that I have them <laughs> out there so it's it's downtime and time off but it's not <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh I've been there before I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. Alright, just some quick fire stuff here Then, just to finish things up I think I've taken enough of your time today but uh... (laughs) Sounds good, buddy Alright, go-to karaoke song
1: Ooh, I usually don't ever sing karaoke (laughs) Uh, I I think if I had to pick a go-to karaoke song It'd probably be a Randy Travis song If I had to pick one Whatever's on the machine, doesn't matter I'll sing Randy Travis (laughs) any day
0: Favorite Christmas movie
1: Ooh, I mean, I I think as a self-respecting guy You gotta go with Die Hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> although i saw i saw tra- uh, trailers for a new one uh called Violet night which i saw that long. yeah it's all like that i want to go see i literally
0: <laughs> like anybody after i watch even going into it i was telling people okay if you don't think die hard is a christmas movie but you want it to be
1: watch here it, you yeah. go and that, that was exactly what i thought is it it's that kind of movie so i gotta go see that one but uh yeah we're we'll going die hard for now <laughs>
0: Oh, well, it was funny because I was listing off like for on air for my other job, for my actual job. I was like, okay, like my top five favorite Christmas movies. I get to number one, die hard. I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. It's the Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. If you were a cookie, what kind of cookie would you be?
1: Chocolate chip, man. That's the only answer to that question. <laughs> uh,
0: Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. If you, if not uh, doing saddle Bronk, what rodeo event would you be competing in?
1: either bareback rock riding or bull riding one of the two <laughs> I mean, i've done all three of them but I, I prefer saddle bronc i'd hop on anything man <laughs>
0: uh, what is your go-to drink um
1: scotch usually or jaeger oh, okay if it's a mixed drink it's usually a jack and coke
0: oh okay yeah i just drink jaeger straight it weirds people out
1: yeah i do the same thing
0: <laughs> <laughs> i'll show up to a party with a ball of jaeger start drinking it out the ball is like you don't want any kind of energy like we got some red bull or something if you want I'm like no nah, i'm good no, just drink jaeger got my cough syrup i'm good (laughs) uh most embarrassing or surprising song you have on a playlist
1: uh i think the most embarrassing part is that i don't have a playlist okay (laughs) (laughs) at all not one i uh if i if i have a song stuck in my head and i want to hear it i'll pick up a guitar and i'll play it
0: (laughs) (laughs) really nothing for just when you're driving on the road going from like you don't have i do not
1: have any playlist or wow. any of that stuff put together if, if I'm on the road I'm usually jumping from one radio station to the to the next okay. or the radio's off and I'm humming a melody or whatever and like half songwriting while I'm right while I'm driving.
0: Wow. I don't think if it wasn't for playlists or podcasts, I don't know how I'd keep going back and forth between Alberta and Ontario when I was driving, but
1: my brother keeps telling me that I need to download some podcasts and stuff. Cause I'll do like 20 hours straight driving. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'll do that. And I always forget. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, if you were on death row, what would your final meal be?
1: Ooh, there's going to be mashed potatoes in there. <laughs> whatever else but there's got to be mashed potatoes
0: <laughs> funny enough that's what I ate for dinner last night was just mashed potatoes
1: yep I'll, I'll have a whole plate of just potatoes
0: <laughs> uh what is the most Canadian thing about yourself
1: the most Canadian thing about myself um I will routinely go out without a coat on in like negative 20 people think I'm crazy there there's a oh, picture yeah. of me somewhere I'm outside the middle of winter with a t-shirt on and there's steam coming off of me like I don't get cold <laughs>
0: Like, I was just walking across the street when I was living in Whistler, just to the convenience store. I just had like a basically like a hoodie similar to what I'm wearing on now, just the sleeves rolled up, shorts, and flip flops walking across through snow. I come back, oh, and absolutely. everybody's acting like I'm the most insane person and need to be committed. It's like, yep. no, it's Good not enough. that cold. Like, have you spent a winter in Winnipeg? Like, yeah, that's, a whole other level, yeah that's, that's next level cold. And like, even Katie yeah. was saying, I don't know how it is, but every single time I like visit Winnipeg, it's always like right in the middle of winter. And I'm like, yeah, yep. you got to fire your travel agent. <laughs> yep, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, what is the weirdest question you've ever been asked in an interview?
1: Ooh, I don't even know, to be honest, because to me, there's like nothing weirds me out. Nothing embarrasses me. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, another question. Cool. Let's move on. I, I couldn't even tell you
0: oh wow half time somebody almost wants to say one of mine but (laughs) (laughs) probably the one about the playlist or the one about that it's like okay
1: (laughs) yep nope you have to to come up with something for next
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I'm just going to dedicate everything just to think okay what I need to ask Ty something so weird and random that it just adds the list now (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh well thank you so much for the time today Ty man likewise buddy it was good to catch up with you (laughs) Thank you kindly for your time there, Ty. Love catching up with you, man. Love hanging out with you. Hopefully I can stash the cash, get myself to Hamilton, and we can do it all again on your home turf. It'll be a lot of fun to see you again, especially if I get the chance to see you perform live. Again, the first time I saw him perform live was 2014, September of 2014. He was opening up alongside Vanessa Marie Carter for Kira Isabella, who if you know me, I am a big, big fan of. And yeah, it wasn't until geez, like maybe four years later, something like that, that uh, I got to run into him again and ran to him in London last year. So absolutely great times, good times. And again, that led so much to making this CCMA so much fun for me was running into him and getting reacquainted with him because him and Sharper is absolutely fantastic people to hang around and be around with. So once again, yes, thank you so much for your time, Ty. Sorry it took this long to reach back out to you again. Time just flies by. Lots of stuff was going on. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Going Ape Shhh. I'm your host, Eric Barua the Gorilla. And once again, this is the last one before Christmas. So Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. I know when this comes out, it'll be night two of Hanukkah. So enjoy the holiday season. If I don't get another one out before the new year, happy new year. And I look forward to coming back with more episodes and hopefully lots more episodes in the new year. Making I'm aiming to make 2023 my busiest and most productive year with this podcast. Life's starting to settle in now in Peace River with a lot of things. So don't forget to follow on Instagram, Barilla the Gorilla, bro the Gorilla Photography, and of course Go on a Everett Barilla, The Gorilla Facebook page there on Twitter, Barilla Gorilla. And yeah, lots of great stuff. Don't forget to check out Barilla, gorilla.ca I got a lot of top tens coming up, especially with the year end. My top 10 Canadian country music, my top 10 movies. A lot of that stuff is coming up shortly. So enjoy that. I'm going to be spending Christmas in Saskatchewan with my family. Very important Christmas for a lot of us with my grandparents getting up there in age. So yeah, it's going to be good times to be had over the holidays. Hopefully you have an amazing holiday season. And I look forward to talking to you guys for sure in 2023.